really it didn't originate with me. I think we could honestly say that many thoughts don't originate with us. It, uh, we hear something or we're in a, a service someplace and it just jogs our mind and says, yes, I need to latch on to that. So I'm receiving that, not that I was the originator, but I'm receiving it as uh, this is what the Lord wanted us to talk about. So I have seven revivals that happen in the book of Acts. And I want to talk to you this morning about the first revival a very exciting event that happened in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm going to read just a small portion of that. And then we're going to discuss the characteristics of the first beginning revival in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles with me this morning, I hope you do. This is something that we as Christians are uh, hopefully reading is our Bibles. But I want you to turn to the first and actually the second chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to read from the first four verses of chapter 2, and then we'll drop down and read a few other verses uh, in this chapter. I'm reading from Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. The scripture says, and we always get excited about this. How many is Pentecostal in here today? Amen. You know, this is a Pentecostal church. If you noticed when you drove up, the sign says Oak Park Pentecostals. And so we believe in the Pentecostal experience. I have no derogatory words to say for, about anybody else, but in here, we get excited about what God has done in our lives. Amen? There is an excitement and an enthusiasm that takes place every time we especially read this passage of Scripture because if you've got the Holy Ghost experience, it should be alive and well within you. Amen? Someone said, I received it, but they're not very excited. Well, somehow, the, the anointing oil of the Holy Ghost has leaked out of your vessel. You need to uh, have a repair and patch job and get a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Somebody shout amen. amen. But this is where it happened the first time in Acts chapter 2. The scripture says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it had arrived. They were looking for it. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind or like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. It wasn't a wind like they knew, but it was something completely different because it was from heaven. Amen. And Luke, the writer here, is describing what he understands and has experienced and knows that the readers will understand as of a rushing mighty wind. Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Bible says all. Everybody say all. all. Not half, not a quarter, not two-thirds, but they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And begin, you see, something happens when you receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not something that you wonder what happened to you or maybe it happened to me or someone told me it happened to me. When this happens to you, you will know it. And begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or as the Spirit spoke out of them. Would you bow your heads with me and pray right now? 
We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the truth that we have read in your word. I pray that there wouldn't be an excitement and anointing on every mind and every heart of every believer. Those who may not be have received this right now, would you touch them? Would you give them strength? Would you give them encouragement to receive your word? That it would be like a seed planted in the heart that would bring forth much fruit. We thank you, Jesus, right now for this word as it goes forth. In the excitement of our hearts and as we receive, I pray that the soil of our mind would understand in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. So this very, very exciting passage of Scripture, as you can tell, I'm already getting myself worked up as only reading these four verses. But it's something that is so exciting. You see, I received this experience personally. I'm not talking about from somebody else's experience. This is not a third party or second hand or somebody, someone received it somewhere and they told me about it. This is something that I have personally experienced myself. This is a personal experiential experience that I have. I currently have. It's something that I received many years ago back in 1968. Yes, I am that old. I'm, I, now I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I'm telling you my age. But I was just a boy when I received the Holy Ghost, and it has been kept by me like the five wise virgins. You remember this story that Jesus told this parable, how the five wise and the five foolish, the five wise had oil in their lamps. They had maintained the oil. They had been to the store, so to speak, to keep the oil flowing. And the five foolish, they had allowed the oil to drip or to wane or to run out. But you that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's something that you must keep fresh in your life. Somebody said amen. amen. This is not a one-time experience. This is not saying, well, I've got it. I, I received it. I put it on the shelf and I'll dust it every now and again to show everyone that I have received it. This is something that when you receive it, it must be be maintained by constant use. Somebody say constant use with me. There has to be a constant rejuvenation or revitalization or refilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life because if you don't, it will run out. It's like the manna in the Old Testament. The scripture says that they were told that you go out and every morning and gather manna and you have enough nourishment nourishment for that particular day but you cannot gather enough for tomorrow and the next day or next week and say I'm going to stockpile this uh, I'm going to make sure that there, if there is a famine or there is a run on the grocery store that we have enough no you get enough for that particular day and that is a typology of the baptism of the Holy Ghost you must have a refreshing and a refilling every day amen you agree with me this morning amen if you agree, you say amen. That's how it works around here. And, or if you don't say amen, that means I just preach a little longer and a little harder, hoping to elicit an amen out of you. Amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Got some people on my side, even on the platform. That's a hard bunch to convince over there. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> and so the anointing of the Holy Ghost has to be refreshed constantly in our life. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that is in you. 
that reminds me and brings a word picture to my mind. If you've ever built a fire and how many knows that the weather is getting a little cooler and, and if you have a fireplace, you're thinking about starting a fire and opening the damper and making sure everything's working properly so you can build a fire in there and, and on those real cold days when it's about 5 degrees or, or four, 4 below or whatever it is or even 15 degrees, you're huddled, huddled by the fire and retaining the warmth of, that it's giving. And, and you're, you're constantly, if you have a fire, you have to constantly keep... Keep it stirred up. Just because you built it an hour ago doesn't mean it's going to be in the same condition when you come back an hour later. You have to stir it up. The Holy Ghost, once received, is just like that. It has to be constantly replenished and refilled and rejuvenated in your life. This is the beginning revival. This is where it all started. This is where the Pentecostal experience originated from here in this second chapter of the book of Acts. Now, they had been taught many times by Jesus, and I want to look at a few verses of Scripture, and if you would turn with me to the book of um, Luke, and we will look here at what Jesus told them to do, Luke chapter 24. And we will start reading verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. You know, if you want to understand the scripture, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You, you can't, I, I know some places they study the book, the Bible as a book of good literature, as something to read and something to uh, uh, to. Um, make them improve their mind, sort of like reading the works of Shakespeare. I guess you could do it like that I, and study it that way. But if you really want to get a, a spirit, uh, spiritual experience with God, there must be an anointing within you that opens up your understanding of the Scripture. And the Scripture says here, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of, the, of these things. In verse 49, And behold, I send the promise. Somebody say promise. I send the promise of the Father, of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So Jesus had given them instructions immediately before they went to the city of Jerusalem to tarry and to wait. He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, where is the promise found? If you'd like to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles there in Ezekiel chapter 11, and we will go to verse 19. I like to hear all those pages turning. <laughs> he said in verse 19 of chapter 11 through the prophet Ezekiel, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. He's, God's going to do something new in your life. He's going to give you one heart. He's going to put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart, that hard heart. 
How many knows of someone who might have a hard heart? Maybe you have had a hard heart. Your hardness of heart. I can't, you can't be touched with the emotion of God's spirit. But he said, I will give them one heart and will put a new spirit within you. And I will take out the stony heart out of their flesh. And will give them a heart of flesh, something that's soft and tender and can be touched. You know, before God can talk to you, before God can minister to you, you have to have a receptive heart. Have you ever talked to anybody about the gospel, about the truth of the word of, the God, of, word of God, and it just seemed like it was water off a duck's back? It was just, uh, it was bouncing uh, like a, a ball, you bounce against the wall and it would come right back to you. But then other times you talk to people and their hearts are open and tender to receive. And they're like the little baby birds in the nest. As you see the robin flying there, she has a worm in her beak and she's ready to feed those babies. When you're hunger, Jesus said, they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness what shall be filled. You've got to have a hunger for this. You can't be nonchalant and get something from God. As we were, I said Wednesday night, we were praying with a man one time and, and we were excited. We wanted him to have something from God more than I think he wanted to have something from God. And, and so after praying for a little bit, uh, I think I was the one that asked a question. Would you like to get baptized? And I was all excited. Would you like to get baptized? And he said to me, Whatever. I said to myself, no, he didn't want to get baptized. <laughs> you see, because there was no spiritual hunger in his heart. There has to be that spiritual hunger. You came here today because there was a spiritual hunger. Maybe you didn't identify it as that. Maybe you identified it as uh, uh, someone else wants you to go or, uh, or another reason. Maybe you came because you were going to get prayer and, and maybe God was going to work a miracle in your life. And that's okay. I, I believe in all those things. But you came because of a spiritual hunger. There has to be a change in your heart. Now, if you would turn to another verse of Scripture in the same book, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. And so these are the promises of the Father. He is promised through the prophet Ezekiel and many other places we could refer to in the Old Testament how that God was going to do something. I recall in, in back in uh, the, um, the Pentateuch in the first five books of the Bible there was a, an incident that took place and the Bible says that there were two, the, the men were prophesying and there, there were Eldad and Medad were out there prophesying and, and Joshua came in and said, hey, I want you to know, Moses, there's two men that are out there prophesying. Did you want me to make them stop? Because it's not coming through you. And Moses responded by saying, I would to God that all of his people prophesied. I would to God that everyone had an anointing. This is not just for me, myself, and I. This is not just for the pastor. This is not just for that person who is anointed. This is for everybody who believes. The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. 
It's for everybody. You read here in Acts chapter 2, the same portion of Scripture, that it fell on everybody. Paul, Peter, he exclaimed and said uh, that, that this is for everyone, old and young, for all nations, for all races, for all peoples, uh, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But he said here in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, it's a reiteration of what we read earlier in, in eleven nineteen. He said, a new heart also will I give you. There has to be a new heart. Baptized someone last night, and I said to them, you know, the scripture does say in the book of 2 Corinthians, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And when you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Old things pass away and all things become new. There is a change that takes place in your life. You don't continue down the same path that you were. There's a new path, a new trail, a new road. It's the direction that God wants you to take. You see, when you repented of your sins, the word repent is repenter from the Latin. It means to do an about face. It's not something that you do on the field of battle. It's a parade maneuver. And But when you do an about face, you stop going the direction that you were going and start going a direction that God wants you to go. Somebody shout hell, hallelujah. So there's a change that takes place in your life. I remember one, son, one time someone told me, he said, well, uh, they were a born again believer and uh, they said, you'll just have to excuse me, I'm German. I said, well, I know you descend from the Germanic race. I said, but when you became a believer, you're no longer German. You're no longer American. You're no longer from Colombia. You're no longer from China. You're no longer from uh, Nigeria. You're from, uh, now you are born into God's kingdom. Amen. Because you now are a new creation. Not one that's born of this world, this geographical place, this kingdom, or this uh, these biological parents, but you are born from above. So something's happened to your Holy Ghost if you're referring back to what happened to you on the other side of the water. Can somebody shout amen? amen. There is a change that takes place in your life. Now, I'm happy and proud of the country I live in. I, I, I love the country. But you see, I love Jesus Christ more. And I love the experience that I have with him more. So it takes preeminence. It's God, it's my family, and then it's everything else. Amen? It, in that order. You see, the experience with God is what's going to take me from this world to the next world. And that's why I came this morning because I know that the next world is approaching quicker and quicker because I'm another day older, amen? And so I'm making plans. How many's making plans for retirement? Anybody making plans for, for retirement? I'm sure everybody in here has got a little retirement program or a nest egg and something that you're adding to weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever, and uh, you get to take it off on your taxes or whatever you're doing. But you see, I'm working on a retirement program when I came here at 10 o'clock in the morning because I know one day I'm getting out of here. And that's the preeminent retirement program. 
Now, I'm not going to go to heaven and sit on a cloud and strum a harp. No. Maybe you saw that in some cartoon someplace. Uh, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to be working with God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to be a, I'm now entitled a king and a priest. But when I get there, I'm going to receive the complete authority as a king and priest. Amen. And so are every one of you that have been born again of the water and the spirit. So I tell you this morning, stop playing around and haphazardly, casually going about doing church and getting involved in the kingdom. Get in all the way because this is the best retirement program. In the world. Bar none. <laughs> so he said, I will give you a new heart. I'll take out that stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Amen. Something that can be touched. Something that can be. Now Jesus said in another portion of scripture, you would like to turn me with me to John's gospel. Amen. I like those amens out there. The Bible says out of the mouth of babes. If you won't say amen, the baby's going to say amen for me. Keep it up. Amen. Put pressure on these adults. <laughs> amen. And the Bible says in verse 37 of chapter 7 of the book of St. John, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now that's an odd, say, odd way to say things. I don't have any water within me that I can give to you. If you looked at that in a natural sense, that doesn't make any sense. But here, let me explain it to you. As Jesus said, he goes on to say what he means. He that believeth on me. If you want to drink, this is how you're going to get a drink. Just like he said it in the fourth chapter of this same book. He met a woman at the well. He was going, he said, I must needs to go through Samaria. He meets the woman at the well. And he says, could you give me a drink? And she looks at me, him and says, well, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. And, you know, there's a big racial divide. Uh, the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. And the Samaritans don't have anything to do with the Jews. And, and now here we are, two of those people groups, uh, and we're meeting here at noon and nobody's around and you're asking me a woman uh, uh, for a drink of water you don't even have anything to drink with he said the well's deep she did he said if you knew the water that I could give to you you're talking about H2O that's not what I'm talking about you're talking about something that you drink in the morning and in the evening you're going to thirst again. I'm talking to you about something that is spiritual that once you drink of it and if you get a good drink of the Holy Ghost, you're going to want to drink it again. How many has ever tasted good water and how many has ever tasted bad water? I, I've tasted brackish water. That's a little salt and a little fresh mixed together. You know what? It's a bad taste in your mouth. It, 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 it's, it, it, make, it, it makes you want to, everything that was on your stomach come up. <laughs> but there is refreshing water. You know, it's that, 
that stream in the mountains as it's coming down uh, off the side and you, you pull over to the side of the road you find some kind of container you wipe it off make sure it's real clean and you get out there and you hold your cup whatever you've got in your hand underneath that water source and you take a drink and it's fresh it's refreshing it's clean it's pure it's straight out of the inside of that mountain pushed up from the pressures of the earth and now it has been purified naturally no filter like that filter and you drink that water source this is the kind of water source that I'm talking about you can find other alternate water sources to occupy your time if sports is your gig then you can find sports 24 hours 7 days a week 365 days a year you want to watch soccer you can watch it every day every hour you can watch the same program over and over every day and, and, and it will not quench the spiritual thirst in you. it will occupy and it will uh, uh, take away from what the, uh, God is really trying to do in your life. If you want to watch uh, baseball, uh, the you know that there's a distraction. You know that the World Series is going on right now, and some of you for the Dodgers, and some of you for um, the Boston Red Sox, and and you've got your teams, and and you know I don't really. And then, or you could be whatever your sport is, or whatever your business is. You can be distracted by that. But I'm talking to you about something that once you get a hold of this, it will change your life forever. Amen. You see, Jesus told the disciples, they, they said, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. And what are we going to have? And Jesus said, you're going to have what? Not only in the life to come, but in this life now. You see, there are benefits to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this life now. I know I talked to you about retirement, but really there is a blessing to having it and receiving it right now. Amen. The anointing of God is always on your life. And Jesus explained what he had said. He that, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Now this is, this is something that the carnal mind cannot really understand. Have you ever tried to tell someone um, something that is a little complex and you can see by their eyes that they're really not understanding you? And so you say, well, maybe if I drew a picture for you. And so... You, you get out a piece of paper and a pen and you start drawing a diagram. This is, you go from here and, and even then uh, they just are not getting it. Have you ever, uh, oh, mathematical problems. Those are working out in a mathematical equation. And, you know, and you've got lines and arrows and, and uh, you're saying to yourself, I don't know if uh, I'm, you know, they're confused, but I know I am. <laughs> Amen. And then they're, I'm always amazed with someone, they go up and they just, and they got it. Brother Josh, he's a, he's a, he's a brain. He's a brainiac. Isn't it nice that we have a brainiac on the platform? So we're driving home from uh, last night and, you know, we see these big windmills that are generating electricity. And, and so my, I think it was Nolan, but my son Nolan said, what is the speed if you were hanging on the tip of one of those blades, what, at what speed would you be going? Well, I, you know, I said, well, 
I don't know, I'd have to get an approximation. But Brother Josh, he starts working all the, well, how, how long do you think the blade is? And so we came up, how long was the blade? 150 feet. We judged it to be 150 feet. And then you counted how many seconds for full rotation of, there are three blades, but one, we chose one blade and a full rotation was seven seconds, right? Seven seconds. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little overwhelmed here. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so I'm referring to my source here. <laughs> it's getting a little deep for me. So seven seconds at a full revolution. Uh, where do we go from there? <laughs> All these physics and, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, uh, I, if it was a nuclear bomb, I'd have to push the button. I couldn't design it. <laughs> yeah, explain it for me. All right, so Nolan inspired this calculation, of course, but um, he said, you know, a blade's probably 150 feet long, and, and we figured, you know, seven seconds for a complete rotation. So, you know, from the length of the blade, we, we decided how, you know, long the circumference of the rotation was, and, and so that's just, you know, seconds over feet on the circumference, and that's how we got. I think we came up with our figure was 90, it was 93, 94 miles per hour, but our figure was in... Uh, it was in feet per second, of course, and we converted that. He wins a medal for the day. I mean, could you all have figured that out? I would have looked at it and said, well, it's going fast. <laughs> Let's move on. Next question. <laughs> yeah, it is. I said, well, if I, I know for a fact, I don't know how fast it's going. I know if I was hanging on the end of that blade, we'd be moving fast. So I know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how fast we're going. You know, but there is something that is sure. Just like mathematics is a science that is very sure. I'm talking to you about the word of God that when you receive the baptism of his spirit, this is a sure sign that something has taken place in your life. I've had people say, Pastor, how do I know that I'm saved? And I said, well, if you're asking that question, you're probably not. Because when something ha takes place in your life, there is a change. Remember, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You don't stay in the same way. I've talked to say, people that say they are believers and they're still living the same lifestyle that they were before this event took place in their life. And I say, well, something happened there or something did not happen. Perhaps you joined the church because you were pressured by your family or you started going because you thought it was a good thing to do. But when you come to God for a relationship with God, it's not a religion. It's not something that you do because it's a good thing to do. You have a personal experience with God. Now, if you turn your Bibles back to Acts chapter 2, I want to look at some of the characteristics of this revival that took place, this beginning revival. You know, there has to be a beginning revival in everyone's life. A beginning revival. This was the beginning revival. This was where it started. There has to be a place where it starts in your life. Everyone in this place, in this room, has a beginning date and even time that they came to life. Everyone. We even celebrate them. We call them birthdays. We, we get excited because it's my birthday. It was a day 
where uh, before I was not and on this day I am. Amen. We, we are excited because it brought life to us. Life is something to celebrate. When you're baptized, I have people say, well, I'd like to be baptized in private. And I understand that. And I understand the reticences and, and uh, I'm a private person as well. But when you were born in the natural, people called up other people. Yeah. They said, hey, so-and-so just had a baby, or I've just got a son or a daughter. I, 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 I'm an uncle, I'm an aunt, I'm a father, I'm a mother. There was a celebration that went on. People got excited. They couldn't wait to get on the phone to talk to someone else. Oh, I've got to give them the news. We spend a lot of money for birthday parties to celebrate those days when we became alive. It's so much more important to celebrate the day that we came alive through Jesus Christ. You see, but there's something different about the life in the natural. There is an ending date. While we can project and we can predict sort of when you're going to come into this world, especially if it's a natural birth, we predict but you really don't know when you're going to leave this world. Here's what the Apostle John said. He said, we have eternal life. With this life, there is no death. There is no ending date. There are no cemeteries in heaven. There are no tombstones with a beginning date, a dash, and an ending date. It's just a beginning date. I gave Sister Rachel a, a certificate. That is a beginning date in her life. Something that we should celebrate. Amen. I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to have Christ in my heart. I'm happy that I'm making heaven my home. And I celebrate. This is Sunday. We uh, traditionally come here and have service. What are we celebrating? We are celebrating that we received life. We're hoping that some of you that came received life as well because this life is eternal. There is no date of cessation in mind. We will continue on forever. And the beauties and the wonders and the glories of the life to come are so much more grand than even in the natural life. Hezekiah he received news that he was going to die. And the prophet came to him and said, get your house in order because you're going to die. And he prayed and God gave him through the prophet 15 more years. But in his prayer, he said, you know, the dead cannot praise you. Once you are in the ground, you have no opportunity to praise. None, zero, zip. It can't happen. There is no opportunity for you to ask for forgiveness. There is no opportunity for you to make it right with your neighbor, your son, your daughter, your, your friend, your husband, your wife. There is no opportunity. It's over. So this is, that's why the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Take advantage of the time that you have right now because we are getting out of here. I don't know about you, but I've looked in the scripture and I see that there are all kinds of signs that are taking place that we're leaving this place. 
I'm not looking forward to a world that's inhabited by artificial intelligence and robots. Not looking forward to it. They have dogs right now, robot dogs, that will be uh, military, have military use. They can climb stairs. They can open doors. Yes, all these things are, are happening as I'm speaking right now. They are, man's mind is so sophisticated and so clever and has such an ability to create that they're making things that will actually destroy the life that God has created. This has already happened once before. It happened in the, in the days of Noah. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So it's not time for you to play around and say, well, I'll wait, I'll wait to see what happens. I'm telling you in advance what's happening. I've already predicted that in the near future, in the very near future, we will have driverless cars. We already have them. They're not on a wide commercial scale yet, uh, but electric cars are coming. And not only electric cars, but driverless cars, meaning there is no one behind the wheel. Not you, not anybody else. Artificial intelligence is controlling that piece of equipment. That's what it will become, a piece of equipment. And nobody, it's no longer a car that you go out and warm up and start up and put it in the gear and drive down the road. You know, I do like to drive. It's a, there's a sense of freedom. I like road trips. You like road, road trips, Brother Bruce? <laughs> He's got a big old 1966 Pontiac. 65. You could rent out the back seat to a, another family. It's so big. <laughs> it's huge, you know, and a big old boat, and it probably takes about five gallons of gas every mile, huh? <laughs> or more. <laughs> But it's comfortable. It just floats down the road, and, and he, it's a convertible, too, so you can put the top down, and when the weather's nice, you can feel the wind in your hair, and, and uh, if you've got any left, uh, I mean, excuse me, sorry, Brother Bruce. <laughs> and you can feel the sun on your shoulders. You know, it's a wonderful thing, but the pieces of equipment that they're having are, are building will no longer be cars that you can enjoy. It's just to get from... Point A to point B, a destination mover, people mover. You know, there, there are some things that are happening. And I'm not saying all artificial intelligence is bad. I think there are some things that, uh, especially in the medical field, uh, could help us. I'm not against technology as such. But I think that we're edging toward an area where man is losing control of what he is developing. And I'm saying to you to you that there is something better it has always been with us and it always will be with us because God is eternal he, amen he's always been here he said before the foundation of the world what he was the lamb slain and God has given us an opportunity on this day this 28th day of October now I'm coming to a close and I'm going to give an altar call and I hope that you will come and if you do not have the Holy Ghost that you will bow your knee at this altar it doesn't, your position, your bodily position standing, sitting, kneeling it really doesn't matter it's your heart, the position of your heart that matters it's the openness and receptivity of your heart God, you see I desire you. I desire a relationship. I don't want just religion. I don't want just to go to a service. I don't want to just be a part of something that, that's a club. But I want a relationship with you that will take me out of this world into the world to come. 
But scripture says, now then when this was noised abroad, what had happened in verse 6 in Acts chapter 2? The multitude came. People are going to come around and say, what happened to you? Why are you different? What's going on in your life? They're going to ask questions. And that is an opportunity for you to tell them what God has done in your life. It doesn't matter that it happened in 1968. I'm still just as excited and have just as much awe for the baptism of the Holy Ghost today as I did then. Why? Because I've kept it fresh and renewed. It's never grown old. It's never been casual. I've never put it on a shelf. I've never said, well, I've got that now. Let's move on to the next big thing. No, that is the big thing. That is the sum total of everything. Amen. Because nothing in this life can take the place of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would you stand to your feet right now with us? Everyone needs a beginning revival. Everyone needs a beginning experience. Everyone needs a start. And today is a day that you can start fresh and new. Something can take place in your life. God can cleanse you of all of your sins. You say, Pastor, I've done some things that I have a hard time forgiving myself. I promise you that God will cleanse you and heal you from whatever you've done in Jesus' name. This altar is open. If you would come and pray right now. Say, Pastor, I've heard your words. I've received them. They've gone to my heart. They're bringing forth fruit. And the fruit is, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to surrender my heart to you. I know it's a long way from where you are to here. But if you could step out in faith and allow God to speak to your heart and touch your life, things will change. Something will happen in your life. In Jesus' name. Is Sister Carmel is singing right now.